Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here's your host, director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Hey, we are so glad that you decided to join us today. I have back on from last week the kitchen supervisor at the Union Gospel Mission, Tim Trenum. You know, I got to tell you something. Somebody came in one time and they were very complimentary to all the things that I accomplished there. And then including the fact that I cook in the kitchen. And and I had to inform them, okay, well, I appreciate that, but that's a different Tim. <laughs> I mean, that would be impressive. Go ahead. I'll share with you, boss. <laughs> so there are two Tims there, uh, me and, and Tim Trenum. And I am grateful that Tim Trenum is there. I'm grateful that I'm at the Union Gospel Amen. Mission. I'm also glad that you guys are listening to us on the radio. The Union Gospel Mission is a, is a wonderful place. And it's not just a place for the hurting and homeless folks. It's a place that that the Word of God goes out. It is a place where 24 men come on the program to hear what recovery looks like. And, you know, it's not just a matter of recovering from drugs or alcohol or sexual addiction or anger or whatever. There's a myriad of things we need to recover from. Most people that are in the everyday workaday world need to recover from unbelief. And that is the biggest thing that plagues us. Somebody asked me one time about this sin or that sin, and I said, well, technically speaking, those sins that you're talking about are all manifestations of of unbelief. It's unbelief that causes us to go to hell. However, having said that, when we believe, when we come to Christ, when we are redeemed, when we become part of God's kingdom, he changes our hearts and transforms us in such a way that sin is no longer holds that attraction for us. And listen, people don't like to believe it. They like to think they're free and they can do whatever they want to do. But here's the reality. You are either a slave to sin or you are a slave to Christ. But you know what? Being a slave to Christ is where freedom really is. Amen. Because what king ever died for his people but ours? What... What person ever did the things that Jesus Christ did? There's one way, one truth, one life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. And there is no other God. There is no other way. There is no other strategy you're ever going to have excepting when you are completely broken. And let me tell you something. Even for the believer out there who is in Christ Jesus, but you're not walking in faith, and your life is being coming harder and harder and harder. Listen, you know what? It's never going to get any better until you repent and come back. Now, having said that, let me explain something to you. The grace of God and the joy that we are commanded to do, and by the way, that's an imperative that we should be joyful in all situations and in all times, all places, right? And you're not always, and I'm not always, 
But we need to have that inner joy. That is not a request. That is something we are told we need to have. We need to be joyful. So do you think that there's any possibility that Paul, who is being held prisoner, about ready to be martyred, do you think it's possible? And I'm not trying to be a a wise guy. I'm just telling you, he had great joy in his life, and he was about to be martyred. Why is that? That's because he was yielded to God. When we yield our lives to God, they may not get any better physically. They may not get any better financially. We may not get out of prison or out of trouble. But when we yield our hearts to God, he implants us a peace and a joy that goes beyond all understanding. Correct, Timothy? Absolutely. Thank God for it. Amen. Do you feel that joy, that peace? You know, uh, I, I truly do. And a lot of times you were saying, you know, I feel the joy and the peace, Pastor, and then I get really humble mm-hmm. because, you know, it, I, I try to share with others that they can experience what I experience, mm-hmm. and they build that wall up, and they don't, they're resistant, they don't want to hear. So, but the book tells us that we're supposed to share the good news, but you, you, you seem to fight that resistance all the time. Yeah. So you as a pastor, I can see how you, you know, go through that constantly i get i get a little discouraged when i share with some of the guests that come in and and talk with them and and tell them about our program and tell them you know i went through the program yeah we provide you nine months through our donors to where you can work on you yeah where can you go do that doesn't cost you no bills no requirements just you to be there where you can focus on you, learn about God, accept God, and better your life. Get that joy, get that peace at no cost to you. That's why I'm so grateful to our donors and I'm able to work there because I see the transformation. I see those men come in the program the very first day and by the grace of God, I see them walk across that stage and you present them with their Bible the transformation is phenomenal, what God does in their life. To see them from day one, yeah. to see them their, you know, their 180th day or whatever, yeah. it's just a blessing. It truly is. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I, I see the transformation. I see how they, they function. I see the failures and all those kind of things. But you know what? It's worth it for each man who truly has a transformed life, right? Oh, geez. And like I said, just to see that and the smile, you know, that's God, God, you know, God's in the business of restoration, you know. You see that smile again, you know, and you see their their families being reunited and, you know, you see God working and building, you know, building them brothers back up, and that's in Christ. He's just doing that because they're given now. They're accepting Christ. Letting them, as we spoke in last week about, you know, letting God drive. Let's get out of the way and let. Get, mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, we don't even need to get in the passenger side. We need to get the back seat. Just let him have the whole front seat. Himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, and that's that's what it is. I mean, you know, when we come, we often have the expectation. It says that He will give you the desires of your heart, and we have this expectation. Hey, you know, my desires. 
want a big house, want a big mm -hmm. car, want a big this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And he says, okay, well, here's the deal. I'm going to transform your heart. I'm going to give you brand new desires. And then I'm going to give the desires of your heart. Because when you finally realize in the depth of your soul what your real need and your real desire is God, and that's what he supplies. And the funny thing is, is God tells us, you know, I'm going to supply what you need, not what you want. You know, people say all the time, you you work at the mission, and and I have a couple friends that I worked years ago with, and they do really well, substantial, but they're still miserable people. Mm -hmm. I hate to say that, excuse me, but just their, the way they act. You know, we talk very briefly now because, like you said, our desires are different. Where you're going is not where I'm going anymore. So we don't have a lot in common. You know, you're still living that, you know, I want the house, I want, you know, the X this, the X that. You know, I don't need those things. I live a humble life now, and I'm okay because I have God in there, and there's all the riches I need. Mm -hmm. That is my house. God is my home. Yeah, amen. He dwells in my house now. Yes. You know, and that's the sense of peace I get when I go to sleep at night. When I work at the mission all day long, and I could get tired, we're short of people, then we have to jump in. We have Because the mission's not going to close. We're going to do God's work 24-7, 365. Right. That's what we do. You know, and sometimes I go home, but I can close the door knowing that God has a home. I have a home. Mm -hmm. You know, I have food in the refrigerator. I have a nice bed, clean towels, and I can go take a shower and lay down and rest. And you know what? My heart's full. When I rest, my heart's full. I don't have to get up and go to the bar or go find friends. I'm very content. You know, and if I feel myself, you know, a little lonely, I'll pick up the Bible. I'll read a little bit. I'm no longer alone. Never. And that is what I struggled with years ago, you know, yeah. is that loneliness. Oh, I used yeah. to have my friends who sat in a bar next to me, mm -hmm. you know, as long as Tim's buying, I got a lot of friends. Sure. And at two o'clock, your friends are gone. Exactly. So now, now God does provide what I need, not what I want. And I'm so blessed because of that. But I apologize every day to God that it took me so long, mm. you know. I could have allowed him to work through me years ago. You know what I mean? So that's one of the regrets I have, but God says never have regret if I believe in him. And I have him, so I have no regrets anymore. You know what? Uh, Mordecai said to Esther, you have been brought here for just such a time as this. We don't know when we reach Nexus, where our life crosses that intersecting line that God has a purpose for us to do when that is or where that is or what the purpose is but but certainly what you said is right that God gives us the things that we need he he actually gives us the things we want but he knows what we really want Amen. not what we think we exactly. want exactly <laughs> and and God is not going to give you something that is is not the best for you here's the problem one of the problems is that Sometimes those things that God is putting in our path don't look like blessings. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we're not happy because they don't look like mm -hmm. blessings. And we're mad about it because you've taken this or this is gone or this is happening and I'm sick or this is happening. But ultimately, and we may not know on this side of glory what it's all, what the purpose is, but God has a purpose for everything he does. And I think a lot of the struggles 
is that we can rely on him. Yeah. Teaches us to rely on him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to put this in your path now that you're a Christian and see how you deal with it. Are sure. you going to rely on me? Are you going to pray? Are you going to come to me and ask for my help? You're going to find it somewhere else. Or are you going to try find, to. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, that's how I look at my struggles today. I say I try to find out why is it happening because God's allowing it to happen. So what am I to learn here? Do I am I not leaning on him? Am I not praying enough? Right. What do I need to do to make this right with him? Mm-hmm. You know, and and a lot of times when I reflect on it, a lot of times it's it's that self will. I'll take care of this, God. You know, this I got this right now. Mm-hmm. You're good. Feel good inside, you know. I got a little fire burning, you know. But I got this right now, and that's when I see those things come into my life, and that's God's way of saying, "No, you don't have this. <laughs> don't forget, it. it's me, brother." <laughs> you know, I I often think about people who, on the surface, look like they have everything. You know, they have lots of money, lots of success. They seem to be relatively happy. Uh, they have everything they need. Uh, they think, but they don't have God, and they are on their way to a Christless eternity, and they don't even know it. And it's sad because they have so much that they've relied on their own wealth or their own success, their own abilities, and the reality is that none of us can rely on those things. Those are vapors. I'm reminded of the parable when the man looked around, and he was a farmer, and he said, you know, I've I've got everything I need for years to come. I'm going to tear down my barns and put up bigger ones, and I'm going to kick back, and I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And what is what does it say? It said, you fool, this night your, show, your soul will be required of you. What happens when that final interview comes along and your soul is required of you? And you're answerable to a holy God that you gave no consideration to. And then all the wealth you had for 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 years, means nothing. it doesn't mean anything in the eyes of eternity. And yet that individual who served God, who followed God, who loved God, was saved by God, has, has what's the song say? When I've been there 10,000 years, years, I've no less days to sing God's praise than when I first began. And that's true. Mm. You know, I often wonder if those that have preceded us, you know, my mom or somebody else, my grandmother, I often wonder if those that preceded us, when we get up there, it's it's a surprise because it seems like just a second ago they came, they got up there and now you're there. <laughs> but it's been 10, 20, 30, 50 years. But, hey, it's different there. Amen. And then we'll be able to serve him perfectly, imperfectly here. Uh, And heaven only knows I serve him imperfectly. But that's not the desire of my heart. The desire of my heart is to serve him. And that's where it starts, isn't it, Timothy? It is. And uh, like you and I were talking last week, um, actually the week before that, we were planning on coming to the radio is is having that, that sense of gratitude, you know, uh, a lot of times I get complacent myself and, you know, and 
this is hard or like you said you get sick and i had some struggles with some illnesses and yeah yeah and you know i just i just tend to lose faith sometimes mm-hmm. and i i look and i i pray about it and you know it's just i lose the gratitude you know what i mean i start reflecting back to mm-hmm. old thoughts that i used to would mm-hmm. think you know well, why me and lord yep. and you know what I mean? Or like situations with, you know, your wife and things yeah. of that nature. And, you know, if we pray for her daily, you just yeah. need to know and that. I appreciate that. She is definitely in our prayers and uh, a lovely woman, your wife is. Uh, and it's just, I, I get frustrated with myself when I do that. But God says I'm a human being, mm-hmm. you know. That's and, right. And I know I can go to him, though, and ask for forgiveness and put that at the foot of the uh-huh. cross and leave it there. I tend to sometimes want to pick it a little bit of it back up, you know. So I'm learning. (laughs) So I'm learning. I'm trying to learn to leave it there. Yeah, and and it's something we all have to do. Uh, I've always told you know people will come and say you know I, I I'm here I'm there and I'm I can't do this I'm 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 at the end of myself and I always tell them you know, the best place for a Christian to be is at the end of themselves. Because when they finally come to the complete realization, I can't do this, it's impossible, then you know that the only possible thing is God. Amen. And God will take it from there. It's kind of like he says, okay, have you, are you finished? <laughs> you know, Are you finished with this? Picking it up, taking it <laughs> yeah. yourself. You're going to handle it. And as long as you want to handle it, you go right ahead and give it your best shot. But when you've figured it out that you can't do it, you know, it's not different than uh, when I did air conditioning and you would have a helper or an apprentice or whatever. And you let them struggle and you watch them. And finally, they're just doing it completely wrong. And you say, okay, now are you finished? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. This is what you do. Let me show you, okay? And and then they get the idea, but we're stubborn people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I can I can handle it. You know, uh, there's that saying, <laughs> which if you stop and think about it, he pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. <laughs> I want you to try that sometime. <laughs> I want you to tell me if you can get yourself even a sixteenth of an inch up off the ground, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. Uh I I I knew in a church that I didn't know him personally, but I knew who he was. And he had been special forces of some kind. And his wife came to church and he came with her, but he didn't believe. And one of the hardest things was for him to think he wasn't sufficient in himself to get everything done. Because after all, he had done all the special service stuff and, and all those things. And Wow, you know, I I didn't quite understand that because even in the special services, you work as a team, right? Amen. You have a leader. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, well, uh, God God doesn't look at it that way. There's no human being who's sufficient in his own strength to do anything. You try resisting sin all on your own. Hmm. Let me know how that works out for you, because I don't know about you. But I know about me, it doesn't work out very well. Right. Unless I'm yielded to God and walking in his statutes. And, and I'm not talking about sitting and gritting my teeth, trying not to sin. I'm talking about 
surrendering and and having the Holy Spirit guide me through that thing, right? Absolutely. Uh, that's why when you think you're really a tough guy, you know. Oh, they'll teach you. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> you know, I tell the guys, and I know you've told them this too, sometimes the very best thing for them to do when confronted with temptation is to run away, you know, to it's turn familiar. tail and it's, run. It's familiar. Yeah. That's what we do. I'm comfortable doing that. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? There's nothing wrong at all. People say, well, I need to stand and fight this. Okay, I get that. But, you know, Joseph, when tempted by Potiphar's wife, did what? Mm -hmm. He ran away. (laughs) All right? I mean, sometimes you just have to remove yourself. What are are the signs says up there about uh, recovery? Oh, old friends. Alleviate old friends, old haunts, old neighborhoods. Mm Mm-hmm. That that is that is the enemy of recovery is old places, old friends, old and old things. habits. Mm-hmm. And so, when you're in recovery from alcohol, or drugs, or whatever it is, the worst thing you can do is go back to the same places you always were influenced. Uh, what whatever the case is, right? It's like an old pair of slippers. Mm-hmm. They're comfortable. They're comfortable. Oh, I know this. Going down the same road for five years to your job, I know every pothole. Go right. Go left. Go right. Go. Yep. But Lord knows if that road gets closed, you got a detour. Oh, I don't know where that pothole is. So you become anxious. Mm-hmm. Or my friend used to tell me all the time: you go to a barbershop long enough, you're gonna get a haircut. Yeah. You go to those old acquaintances and hangouts, eventually you're going to go right back to where you came from. I've never heard that one, but I like it. It's That's really true, isn't it? If you go to a barbershop long enough, eventually you're going to get a haircut. Amen. So you go to that bar enough times without drinking, one time you will. You're absolutely correct. Hang around with that group that used to do that, and guess what? You're going to do something that they do. Exactly. And and it's true for all of us, isn't it? Absolutely. It's that comfortability, that acceptance. You know what? And I was thinking about when you said that old pair of slippers. You know, it's like an old pair of comfortable shoes. They're really great until the first time you step in a mud puddle <laughs> and the hole in the bottom fills your shoe up. Right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, uh, we didn't have a lot of money. My mom worked for a television station and stuff, but we didn't have a lot of money. My dad... And mom had broken up when I was a kid. And so sometimes I would put cardboard in the oh, bottom yeah. of my shoe. Oh, absolutely. Uh, she didn't know about it, but I didn't want to ask her for new shoes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I put a piece of cardboard. And it works pretty good until, like I exactly. said, it, it rains. rains outside. <laughs> and then you you hear, because guess what? Cardboard doesn't keep the rain out. We've got just one minute. Uh, if there's anything that you could... Tell the folks about the mission in a few seconds. Oh, we're blessed. Anybody wants to come for a tour or come for lunch or just to see what donations go to. We have good food. We have guests, 9,000 meals a month. Yep. It's it's a wonderful thing to take in. I invite anybody who'd like to come to call Pastor Lane or somebody there, or Eileen Trussell, and get you over there and see exactly what we do. Yep, and just so you know, the, we we have good meals there. 
Tim just got a safety award. So listen, as always, my dearest friends, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Nowhere to live, nowhere to fall. He used to have money, but he's wasted it all. His face is a photograph burned in my mind, but I pretend not to see him for the 21st time. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to ugmsac.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268. 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.